welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. Normalising open and honest conversations about mental health by having open and honest conversations about mental health. episode 144 of the Proper Mental Podcast and my guest this week is Ava Echo who is a trans rights activist, campaigner, writer and public speaker and in this episode Ava and I chat about what it's like to be transgender and she guides me through some of the current challenges that gender diverse people are dealing with on a daily basis. We chat about how and why she became a campaigner and the importance of education and understanding in the work that she does. We also chat about the journey that she's been on with her own identity and the mental health struggles that run parallel to that throughout her life until she was able to authentically be her true self. We talk about compassion and language and acceptance and coming out and we chat about what makes a good ally. And I mentioned in this episode quite a few times actually how much I enjoy and learn from Ava's content on Instagram. It's become a real valuable resource for me to learn about transgender people, about the community, about the things that they have to deal with. And I think that's what it's all about, really, is learning and understanding, compassion. We talk about all that stuff in this episode. And there is so much noise and so much hate around the transgender community at the moment. It's just wonderful that there's people like Ava to kind of like cut through all that. And I think that the work that she does is really important. I think she's really brave. And she's also really funny. Her content often makes me laugh, particularly the way she deals with the hate. I mean, her inbox must just be a bin fire. It must be horrible every time she gets a notification. And But she quite often posts about that in a real funny way. She really diffuses it with humour and intelligence and compassion. And yeah, it's just lovely stuff. It was great to meet her. And I can't thank her enough for her time. I also can't thank her enough for trusting me with her story. We get into some big things here. And it really meant a lot that she trusted me to to hold this space for her. Go and give her a follow. You can find her all over social media at Eva Echo. And the O is a zero. If you like this episode, if you like previous episodes of the Proper Mental Podcast and you want to support the show, there's a link in the episode notes to the Patreon. You can support from just £5 a month. And for that, you get early access to the episodes. This one's been up for a few weeks. As I record them, I pop them straight up. And there's a few other exciting things coming along the line as that community grows. But I'm really trying to build a a community around the show, people with an interest in mental health, people who want to talk and check in and support. And it would be wonderful if you wanted to come and join us on Patreon. Links in the episode notes. Links for everything else I do is in the episode notes. And if you've got two minutes to leave me a review, that would also be very much appreciated. This is episode 144 of the Proper Mental Podcast with Ava Echo. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy. So here we are with another episode of the Proper Mental Podcast, and my guest today is Ava Echo. How are you, Ava? I'm doing well, thank you very much. Good. That's that's good to hear. Thank you for joining me today. I um I really really appreciate it. I I'm not. I was trying to think actually when we booked this how you came onto my radar and how I started following you on um on Instagram. Um, but it's been a little while now, and I can't remember how I found out about your work. But your page has become 
to me a very valuable resource to kind of learn about the transgender community and a kind of I suppose a little snapshot really into like what it's like to be a trans person and and how um yeah just how I can think about that and how I can think about my actions and how I support that you know and I I think that's it's so important because a huge part of the conversation around the trans community is is the miscommunication right and is the the lack of knowledge and um yeah I think your page is really important for that so yeah so that's really cool thank you for that thank you um I remember I think it was a while ago now we've been following each other and I think I saw something that uh you'd posted and I was like I can completely relate to that so let's give it a follow Oh, yeah, that's really cool. Really cool to connect that way. Was it your intention with your page? Did you like set out to create this sort of resource or is it something that's kind of like organically? Um, um, organic, definitely. Um, to be fair, I never even set out to be an activist. It was like, what well, I literally fell into this. Um, my wife and I had a tattoo studio. So I was like, tat- I was like tattooing, uh, managing a studio, also being a, a musician at the time. And I guess coming out, I naively thought I can come out, medically transition, socially transition, be myself and kind of just take time out from all that and then just seamlessly slot back in uh, and then just carry on tattooing, carry on being a musician. Um, And it never happened. I guess I started a blog um, before I came out after the last time I played like properly, which was like 2016 now. So going back a while. I mean, I, I just finished a tour um, supporting the Birthday Massacre, which is a, a, a Canadian band who we absolutely love. And yeah, that, that really got me thinking. So I took time out and I started writing this blog so I can externalize all these thoughts. I was having meltdown after meltdown. Um, I only thought that was like a personal diary for me, but I, I put it on the in- internet and I thought no one's going to read that. There are millions of pages on the internet. Who the hell's going to read mine? Um, yeah long story short people did and people got in touch and they started reaching out and I guess that's when I realized there's something more than me I have had my mental health struggles I've had such difficulties throughout my entire life I thought I was the only one and hearing you know similar stories from other people it really made me think like there's something massive here I can't just walk away from it and go back to my own life. Um, so I started to think more about visibility. Um, and my best friend, she was the first person to, I ever came out to. And she convinced me to start a brand new Instagram account um, to, to get used to being visible, like, you know, find that comfort in just existing. Um, so I deleted my old account, set up a brand new one. And people found it by accident thanks to um thanks to the instagram algorithm uh, and and mark zuckerberg people who used to follow my deleted account started getting um these little things at the bottom that said do you know this person or people you may know and it was my new one and then people were getting really confused and started to follow and i'm thinking oh shit here we go How, like i've not told anyone else <clears throat> so i also always see my my coming out was falling out because I hadn't intended to. People just stumbled across it. And I thought, okay, I've got to do something now. The questions are, uh, you know, they're coming in thick and fast. So I ended up doing a Facebook post as well, changed my profile picture. Um, and I basically said, I'm rebranding. 
for any information, check out the FAQ on my blog. And I just left left it at that. Um, but but again, I just thought it's Instagram. It's full of pictures. It's you know, it's what people have for breakfast. No one's going to follow me. Um, and it's it's just yeah, it's it's taken off. So very organic. Very. I'm still reeling a slight what, what how, I, how I've even got here. Um, but no, now that I'm here, I think I've, I've well and truly let go of tattooing, definitely put music on hold for, for the foreseeable future. There's so much work to be done, you know, not just for the trans community, but the LGBT plus community as a whole, um, mental health. There's so much going on in the world in our, around us right now that, yeah, the more I get stuck in, the more I find other things to get involved in. Um, the more, you know, other organisations, other projects, campaigns, I am completely here for it. Yeah. Oh, it's a wonderful thing. I suppose with it kind of like starting at the same time as you were starting, then it's, I suppose people have been kind of like along the ride with you as well, right? So if you're like, they're learning on the job, you're learning on the job, and it's just become this, this thing. And that's so important, isn't it? Because when we, when we think we're the only one, and it doesn't matter what we're dealing with, when we think we're the only one, it's really, really lonely. And just to have that place, you go, hang on, it's not just me. Other people are going through this stuff. Look what's possible. Look what's capable. I can be okay. That's so important, isn't it? Yeah, it's it, it creates unity. Like, yes, you know, there's the political climate for trans people right now is, is really hostile and society is completely torn. But when we look at mental health, for example, depression, um, suicidal thoughts, anything like that, that, they don't care whether you are trans, whether you are lesbian, gay, what the color of your skin, mental health affects us all. So, you know, we need more conversations. We need to all come together and talk about that and realize, you know, just because someone doesn't agree with my gender identity, that's fine. That's up to them. But we have a shared concern and that is tackling mental health. That is tackling, you know, the cost of living crisis and things like that. So the more we focus on similarities, the more we can drive that unity forward um and, and really start to talk and open up conversations yeah we lose the human right mm, but, yeah. but ultimately that's what it comes down to the humanistic element of the person that's experiencing the thing almost gets caught in the crossfire of all the opinions and the noise and the nonsense that surrounds it all and yeah we, we forget that we're talking about actual people with real lives who are just trying to just trying to get by like we all are yeah. right we're just, we're, we're, just... we're just trying to exist trans people have existed for centuries and it's only become a massive deal over the last few years um and you know we going back to what i said about everyone experiencing mental health uh difficulties well we experience a huge amount of mental health difficulties because of the so-called opinions of other people about us, judging us, talking about us, not even involving us in those conversations. And it really takes its toll. Yet I would say to those people, well, stop and think about how damaging, how hurtful your words are. Think about when your mental health was rock bottom, when you know something happened to you that really, really kind of just gave you this massive jolt. Um, and and you you felt completely lost and you know completely unappreciated in society. Think about how you felt then and how horrible it was. What a dark place that was. Now relate that to the person in front of you who you are speaking at, um, and think about the words that you, you know you're contributing to that feeling in that other person. Uh, and and I feel that that's the way we can move forward because we need empathy. We need to be able to share these you know yeah opinions um but at the end of the day 
we're all entitled to opinions, but they can't erase a, a you know a marginalized community. Yeah, I think um I think it's Scroobius Pip always says like you, not everyone's entitled to an opinion. You're entitled to an, an informed opinion. Yeah, that's like you exactly can't, it. Yeah. You know, you can't just go like thinking stuff and saying it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean it, it's right. You know, we all think stuff that's wrong from time to time. So yeah, an informed opinion is where it's at, and I think that's why what you do is so important, right? Because as well as like supporting your own community and the wider community, um, I do, I think with, with, with like hard conversations, right? So conversations around, around gender and around race and around mental illness and these hard conversations, we, we end up, I think maybe because of social media, we end up talking about in extremes. So mm-hmm. you've got the people right down one end and we've got the people right down the other end. And like most people are in the middle they they don't really know do you know what i mean there's not enough yeah. there's not enough commonplace um information and not everyone's going to go looking for that like some of it look I've, I've gone looking for it i want to learn i want to know but not everyone does that and that's that's cool too but it's like people get lost don't they in the middle in the middle ground because we only see the extremes in the mainstream media but it's it's it yeah that's kind of yeah i'm not even sure where i'm going with that Ava. but yeah the I, more I knowledge yeah um, the more knowledge that speaks volumes about social media itself and how it works. Like, you know, you, you look at, say, influencer culture and, and everyone is screaming to be seen, to be heard, to be to be noticed. And I guess when it comes down to opinion, it comes down to words, it comes down to wanting to share your your side of things. You then have to go to those extremes as well. You to, to be noticed. It's all about being noticed. And you know, with my blog, I didn't want to be noticed. I just carried on and people found that organically. But now, you know, you've got people who want to become notorious. They want to be seen and they will go to absolute extremes to really make that happen. I mean, you only have to look at people like Katie Hopkins previously on Twitter. The, the vile things that she came out with, a lot of it was for shock and attention value. Um, and, you know, it meant that, okay, well, the bar's now been lifted. Well, if we were to carry on and other people want to follow suit and to be noticed, they're going to have to raise that bar even more. And so we have this society now that's so, well, digital society where everyone's one end or the other. The the bit in the middle are, you know, it's it's so grey, it's so fuzzy. It's People are lost in the middle. Uh, but the, the people in the middle are the genuine allies, the would-be allies, the people who wants to do better but don't know which direction to go in. Um, and I guess that's why I always say it's it's super important that we are all as visible as we can be um, as long as we are safe. Because just by showing who we are, it can do wonders to normalise our existence. Like think about tattoos. Years and years ago, decades ago, tattoos were associated with criminals, you know, uh, sailors, whores, whatever, you know, the, the, the seedy aspect of humanity. They're the ones that got tattoos. Now, one in four people, uh, the last time I checked, have a tattoo in the UK. And it's normalized. You know, you, you see people with tattoos on the news. You don't bat an eyelid. You have, tell someone you've got a new tattoo and it's like, you know, who hasn't? So that that novelty value has worn off and that's what normalization can you know can do for the trans community as long as we just i wouldn't say bombard society and be in society's face just exist that's it's the most powerful form of activism because you are saying i'm not going anywhere i have my existence this is my corner of the world i'm going to go to work now regardless of what you think i'm just going to carry on go to work 
I suggest you do the same if you want to make a living. And then I'm going to come back, probably watch some TV, watch a bit of Netflix, play some PlayStation, go to bed. Our lives are just as dull as your lives. There's that unity. You know, there's that common ground. Again, we may have different jobs. We may have different ways of expressing ourselves. But ultimately, we all still have to, you know, we still have to work to, to keep a roof over our heads. We still have to participate in various things, you know, we don't want to do all the time, like go shopping, food and, and all that. Yeah, it's grown up jobs. Yeah. yeah, and it's like when we boil it down to that, this so-called debate about our existence, it just becomes pitiful, I guess. That's the only way I can look at it, that some people have become so, I don't know, so radicalised by this concept of, of us being such a danger to society um i just yeah it worries me because of the direction it's going but at the same time after everything i've been through i've been through so much anger i've been through so much uh, self-hate so much confusion i can understand why people when faced with a concept that's completely alien to them why they would feel those emotions as well um but i'm able to look at myself and think well you know at a time when before i came out before I had the words to describe who I was, you know, there's a lot of a lot of anger towards certain people. But when I look at look back at that now, I guess I guess that was just jealousy. You know, these people are out there living their lives, being free. They knew who they were. They were able to express themselves, and they would they didn't care how they came across. They just wanted to live. And I remember like in my early like early to mid 20s seeing people and not necessarily trans people but just seeing the lgbtq plus community thriving people not ashamed to be themselves um and i guess i resented them for that because they were able to and i wasn't um so yeah i've i've been in those places and i can completely understand um not saying that everyone who hates us is also wants to be trans or anything like that but i guess it comes down to we reach a point in our lives where we need to exist for us. You know, we we go through so many mental health difficulties that some people don't get the, 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 the privilege of carrying on and discovering who they truly are. Well, we have, we've, we've fought through so much. We are here and we're just going to get on with it now. We, you know, we've, we've earned that. And there will always be people who are scared by that. It's, 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 a, it's a power, you know, you, when you find it within yourself to just go against the grain and say, I don't care what everyone else is doing. I don't care about these unwritten rules that you've all been following for years and years and years. I'm going to do things my way, um, which is ironic, really, because a lot of people use um, my way, Frank, Frank Sinatra, as, you know, like uh, event songs, funeral songs and things like that. And I just think, well, you'll, you're OK with the message of the song then. But when we're doing it, oh, my word, you, we're not allowed to. Yeah, different rules, right? Yeah, different no. rules. Yeah. No, I get that a lot. I kind of think when when you see someone expressing themselves and like stepping into themselves fully, um, I always get really emotional, right? So I've I've got an anxiety disorder and um in a lot of ways I look back through my life and it held me back. And it held me back from decisions, doing things, being me in certain scenarios. And, you know, I try not to dwell on that too much. But I and I think that's why I get so much of a kick out of, you know, when people step into themselves and it's like I always get dead emotional because it's such a I know what it's like to not be able to do that right yeah but I can also see why that's triggering 
I can also see because there was a time in my life if I saw someone like living fully, even like expressing themselves through, I don't know, wearing a particularly loud shirt or, you know, it would be like, mm. oh, that shirt's a bit shit. Do you know what I mean? As yeah. if like, you know, so I get I get that. I get that too. And I will say after I had my, after I was like really, really poorly, I had to, kind of, I had to find, find compassion for myself. And once I found it for myself, I found it much easier to find it for other people and loads of different areas of my life changed. So, you know, I wouldn't get fucking arsy if the car in front of me stalled and made me 10 seconds later. You know, people are always like, ah, oh, you twat, you know, but yes. like, and that, that person's not stalled on purpose. They've not driven in front of me and purposely stopped, right? And we don't know what's going on with them. But I think it's it's that word compassion, isn't it? And That's like, exactly it. Find it for yourself and then you can find it for other people, I think. Yeah, I found that, yeah, exactly the same as that. Yeah, when I, when I was able to embrace who I am, to really think about my journey mentally and physically. Yeah, like, you know, when I see someone who is in a rush, I just think, you know what? Why, why are you in a rush? You know, and the lights in front at the bottom of the road are red. You're not going to go any further anyway. Why, why are you rushing? But then I just think, well, okay, maybe they've, they've had a bad morning or whatever. They, they think that this act of rushing will make up for that and in, in a way solve this internal dilemma that they have. And yeah, we've got to have compassion and empathy for those people because we don't know what they're going through at that moment in time when we experience their actions. And as a community or any marginalized group, really, you've been through so much that you are able to see that once you're once you're able to to really acknowledge who you are first and your own experiences. But yeah. It, it is really eye-opening and I've started to see the world in in a whole new way since coming out and I think back to when I was in school and I was being bullied and I would never dream of putting my hand up to ask a question because I was too scared of drawing attention to myself um I was always made to sit at the front of the class and I was always acutely aware of everyone like watching the back of my head even when if I was on public transport, I'd hate sitting at the front of a bus in case people people notice me when I get up. And now I just think I'm I'm on the other end. You know, if people notice me, they notice me fine. You know, they see that I exist. They see that I'm harmless. That I'm doing nothing other than just going going about my day. Um, and yeah, I think it's growth really isn't it and and the more we can share that that kind of growth that we've experienced with others hoping to hoping to just you know offer that light bulb moment to to other people um it's it's a magical thing that we can give to others if we can help them to see that as well yeah it's a really lovely way to look at it you know and you know i'm a firm believer that the opposite to hate is love right it's the mm. it's the way to balance it out but at the same time that's really hard to do when you're on the receiving end of hate so it's very easy to sit there, isn't it? And say, yeah, we've got to be more compassionate. Everyone's got to show more compassion, but it's really hard to show compassion when people are coming at you just for mm. trying to live your life. And that's where it gets really, really tricky. You know, mm. it's uh, it kind of, it, you know, it's easy for compassion to, to go out the window, you know? And um, yeah. yeah, that's where it gets, gets a bit, a bit messy, mate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found personally that like my neurodivergence helps because I've I've always really I've I need to know how things work. So my mind is very analytical. I like to explore everything. Even as a kid, I used to take things apart and look at how things work before putting them back together. Usually try and do it before my dad gets back. Um 
but yeah, that, that's how my mind works. And, you know, whether it's something physical or mental that I see in other people, I still want to understand how have you arrived at this? And it is tiring when, you know, you, you are so visible and people throw so much in your direction. But the one thing I always do before reacting is ask myself, why is this person saying what they're saying? Why, why are they doing what they're doing? And that allows me a step back to think about, okay, well, why would they say this? Where would they be getting their information from? If it's on Instagram, let's have a look at their profile. What sort of content are they putting out there? Um, and kind of build a, a, a better understanding of who they are as a person before judging them, before even deciding whether to engage. Um, and that that kind of patience, that additional step that I've kind of allowed myself to take, I have found has, has been incredibly cathartic because it's given me an extra chance to be patient and then allow for that person as well. And yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, the only way to fight hate is with love. And, I, you know, even the, the person who throws death threats at, towards me, you know, in my direction, I still would love them. I still have, you know, nothing but love. I mean, it, it takes balls to throw a death threat out there and, you know, and put it out for the world to see. So, you know, fair play. Not the best way to get yourself noticed, but... I can see that somebody's hurting. They need to rage at someone. They need to do something. Or usually when you do a Google search of that person's user ID, you can see all the other comments that they've put on other people's posts. And then you realize it's not just you. It's not a personal attack, um, even though it may feel it at the time. It's an attack against a certain group of people. And therefore, let's take a further step back. Why do they feel this about a certain group of people? And it comes down to fear, comes down to, you know, lack of understanding. So there's our starting point yeah what a wonderful way to look at it that's um yeah that's really lovely and it's just people lashing out right just people mm. yeah lashing out and I think you know yeah you put that so well there Ava and I think that is why you yeah why I found your content so useful because I think a lot of people are they're scared to ask questions in case they get something wrong right they're scared to offend someone by accident and the, again why I, I want to get a lot from following you is that one i learn things and two i do feel like i could just send you a message and say like hey i'm not really sure about this could i like you know do you know what i mean and like mm. that's a really nice that's really handy for if people want to become allies if people want to support if people just want to educate themselves it's a real um a useful a useful thing you know it's um it's important what you do is important thanks um, i think it's also worth people remembering like certainly the community anyway the trans community we've had a lifetime to come to terms with who we are you know it's been going around inside our heads from most of the time a very young age not necessarily for everyone but we spend so much time inside our heads that we by the time we come out and we we start living as our authentic selves we've come to terms with it but you know those who we might meet suddenly um, whether it's in person or, or or on social media, they haven't had that same mental journey that we've had. And therefore, patience is needed. If we want them to understand us, it's almost like, you know, we, we can't give them a crash course into who we are and expect them to understand, um, especially when our existence pretty much goes against a lot of things that they've been brought up to understand. So we need to we need to allow them time to transition as well. We go through a transition, they go through a transition. When I came out, my I was married you know, four years into a marriage. My wife had to go through her own transition alongside me. But I always see it as two, like, two paths that are parallel. And at one point, they will, there'll come a time where those paths meet. 
and you take the rest of that journey together. But if we rush ahead down our side of the path, that person, the next person on the other path is going to be left way behind. They'll never catch up. They'll never learn. They'll probably give up. Um, so, yeah, we've got to be patient with them uh, and, and understand that people will make mistakes. You know, as long as their intentions are good and that they, they want to learn, let them make mistakes. I still make mistakes myself being a part of the, you know, the trans community. And the only way we can learn is to, to make those mistakes. You know, when you're a kid, you've got to fall off the bike to, to then understand what you went, you know, where you went wrong. So it's the same with being an adult as well. That's it. You don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah. And you just got to, yeah, just work a bit to, to change it. Yeah. Did you, that path you mentioned, um, did that start for you at a young age? When did you start to sort of like question your, your identity and your gender and things like that, Ava? For me, it was definitely from a young age. Um, you know, like most most people will be, but, you know, not everyone because of their life experiences. And, you know, it's absolutely fine for those who come out later on in life as well. They're perfectly valid. For me, definitely was around the age of four or five. Um, I knew I was not like any of the other kids, the other boys in my in my school. I didn't want to do what they did. I didn't want to behave like how they behaved. And I just didn't know how to describe it. It was just... You know, it's just a feeling and it was a feeling that didn't have a label. But then when you're a kid, you also want to just enjoy yourself. You don't want to be unhappy. You just want to play. And so I turned my attention to being creative. I used to draw, play with Lego a lot. Um, and that, I guess, was my outlet. Um, but yeah, I never had the words to describe it, nor could I even speak to my family about it. But I knew and I guess a part of me was hoping that one day that feeling would magically disappear. Mm, I kind of, um, I often think about the conversation around identity, very, very similar. And I might be well off with this, but um, very, very similar to how I felt when I, my mental health collapsed and I didn't tell anyone and I didn't want to say anything about it because I didn't know how that would be understood. And I knew once I admitted it to myself and said it out loud, then I was probably going to have to do loads of other scary stuff that I also didn't want to do. So it was a case of just like suppressing it and pretending it wasn't happening and just hoping it would be okay. But it's the whole like pushing the beach ball under the water analogy, right? It's just going to ping yeah. up somewhere else. Um, was that, have I, do you kind of relate to that? Is that a similar thing? Am I on the right path? Yeah. Um, absolutely. I mean, throughout high school, I was bullied. Um, my mental health deteriorated um and you know i started suffering from severe depression self-harm and even suicide uh attempts and i often thought after one of those episodes that's it okay i've, I've got a grip of this now i know how to control it what that whatever's just happened won't happen again and i would just carry on um for me because it was about my my gender identity i figured okay well I'm clearly not going to be able to do anything about it. You know, that's just an ideal world type stuff. So what if I try being a person that society will accept? What if I try being this person? And it was almost like I was such a bad actor. It was like trying to be what was expected of me, what my family, what the people around me expected of me. Um, I was just playing a role, you know, I was just turning up, playing a role day after day. And then it gets to the point where I was mentally exhausted. I couldn't keep playing that role anymore. It wasn't for me. And, you know, the beach ball would pop up and all hell goes, you know, all hell breaks loose. And 
my mental health would just hit rock bottom again in the most spectacular way, extreme meltdowns. And the same thing would happen again afterwards. I'd pick myself back up and think, okay, maybe that wasn't the role. What about this role? And yeah, it was always this constant, I've got this, I've got this. Um, which came to, you know, when I, I came out in like 2017, I gave myself the chance to to try a role that I'd never ever considered before completely out of my comfort zone and that was the role of me who I've always been inside all along um so so I went for it and it is scary you know you always think no one's going to understand these thoughts that have been residing in my own head no one's going to be able to even get to grips with that and you know like mental health when I, I remember when I was thinking about self-harming before I actually did it. I thought, no one's going to understand. I can't I can't talk to anyone about this. I've got to hide my arms. I've got to hide my legs. Um, no one will understand. But I guess at one point I realised that things are only scary once. You know, if you, if you are worried, do it. The moment you've said, you know, you've come out, for example, that's it. The next time you come out again will never be as scary because to be able to admit to something to yourself is the scariest thing ever because from that moment onwards you are outside of your comfort zone you cannot ever get back into that comfort zone the world will change your life will change so you know embrace it do what you can with it um you know people who come out and even if you then tell your parents well yes that's scary but nowhere near as scary as saying it for the first time, knowing that your life is about to change. Um, and when you put it into context like that, it's it's not, you know, a big deal, really, is it? When, like, you know, you've telling your parents, yes, sometimes parents aren't very accepting. My parents weren't. I mean, I've not had a, a relationship with my biological parents for a long, long time. And I guess I'm lucky in that respect that I didn't really have to tell them when I came out. But to tell other people, like telling my wife, it was scary, but not as scary as me thinking about what could have happened if I didn't come out to myself. What, you know, she could have been left on her own and, you know, and she would never have understood. So things will only get better from that point. Um, and I guess, it, yeah, it, it starts with us and whether we want to just pop that beach ball for good or we want to carry on burying it. Yeah, I suppose you can't. You can't unlearn what you've learned, right? Mm -hmm. And as soon as you start coming out, as soon as you start talking, then you're starting to to learn what that feels like and want, yeah, and you can't can't unlearn it. But it's something that's not talked about enough, I think, is the how draining it is. Pretending to be something you're not, pretending to be well when you're not, the draining effect of that, going through every day, trying to wear those masks and try on those different identities. It's so draining isn't it it's the it's the hardest thing you can see why it drags people down into the into the depths of of really bad mental health definitely um you know like when when my mental health was rock bottom i found i didn't want to talk to anyone i didn't want to shower i didn't want to get up out of bed i, I just didn't want to do anything and i found when people say are you okay it was so much easier just to say I'm fine because I didn't want the hassle of explaining, uh, reliving that trauma, going through and having to justify why I feel 
so lost on the inside. And it's so much easier to say, nah, I'm fine. I'm okay. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, you, you then kind of just withdraw inside of yourself. And it, it's a horrible, horrible place to be. It, re- it really is. Yeah. Did you take, um, was it like much of a process when you like stepped into yourself and became fully Ava? Did you kind of have to like figure out what was real Ava and what was bolt on? You know, because, um, <laughs> you know, you try on enough masks, you forget what the real face looks like, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's such a it's such a weird experience because, like, you ha- you have to really unpack certain parts of yourself. And the longer you've been doing it, the, lo- the more you've got to unpack because, you know, certain behaviours stick with you. Like, for example, I don't know, I guess, like, being polite and courteous all the time. I used to not, you know, like I'd be, I'd be so concerned about upsetting people. I wouldn't be able to speak my mind in case I upset someone or offended someone. I didn't want to put my hand up or, or, or be visible in case I offended anyone or was visible, you know, to, to, to the extent that it would cause me harm. And I started to kind of think, you know what? no that that's not me I did that for a reason I withdrew into myself for a reason I never used to want to upset people for a reason and that reason was acceptance I thought that you know if I keep my mouth shut and I agree with everything that everyone says they'll like me I'll be accepted but it wasn't doing me any favors because I was going along with things that I just did not agree with I didn't want to do I ended up in situations where you know, I was at like house parties where I was thinking, I hate this. I'm, I'm you know, I, I don't want to be here, but it, it felt like I had to. Um, so, yeah, unpacking that and realizing that wasn't me, but this is going to be me. But at the same time, I'm not going to be the full extreme where I'm just going to go and shout my mouth off at everyone. Um, although sometimes we wish we could. Um, it's finding that balance. And I guess with being trans, it's it's even more of a journey because there is so much unpacking and so much unlearning and relearning to do uh, in a very short space of time. Like, you know, for example, makeup, all trans women will will have experienced, you know, makeup and playing around with makeup at some point, but unlike cisgender, you know, women uh, around the age of puberty who are going through, you know, adolescents experimenting with makeup and style and how to express themselves. We never went through that. So we're not having to play catch up. We're having to learn the things that we never had chance to learn, but we're having to do it whilst carrying on with the rest of our lives as well. Um, But also the added worry of, is this makeup going to make me look like a clown? Are people going to laugh at me when I walk out on the street? So there's that kind of I guess for self-protection, really, that, you know, you've, you've got to be a bit more conservative, but it is one hell of a journey to unpack who is me. And, and I guess, you know, like six years on, I'm still unpacking it. I'm still learning who I who I am, where my boundaries are with certain things, um, what I'm willing to do, what I'm not willing to do. And most importantly, learning to say no um, when I need to. Um, and I guess it's I always see transitioning as something that's ongoing um I, I don't really agree with people who who say that you know I, I've transitioned because 
you know, no, no one's ever finished life completely. You're always going to learn more. You're always going to come across things that challenge you as a person that you've not had chance to think about. So as and when it happens, think about it. How would the authentic you deal and you know with this situation so it's an ongoing process and i think it's scary the first time you start to change certain behaviors like you start to say no for the first time and you you start to really put your foot down but you know it's only scary once and you start to learn this there's a power there's an empowerment when you do that and you it, it's it's a real um catalyst towards wanting to learn more about yourself, but also showing the world, this is who I am. Um, there are certain things that will never, never go like, you know, playing drums, being a bit of a nerd and, you know, and all that stuff that that's here to stay. But, you know, the other stuff, yeah, it's, it's really fun getting to know me, like, you know, all over again. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're supposed to do that as we journey through life anyway. Right. Like yeah. that's, that's what growth is, is find is finding out more about ourselves and what makes us tick and what's, you know, what, what we want to not do anymore and what we want to change. You know, I, I describe myself as like a people pleaser in reform and, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, tr I try and, I, I try and stay, I try and be more, a bit more immediate and a bit more just sort of like forceful. And like, yeah, the first time you say no in a situation, you normally said yes. It's almost like deafening. You expect it to like <laughs> ring out through and everyone just stops and everyone looks at you. The main thing I've realized from trying to be a bit more immediate is not really to fuck. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and I kind of think, oh, all those wasted years worried about offending people. And like, no one's offended because they're not people pleasers so they don't have the same high standards of keeping everybody safe and everybody quiet do they so yeah it's like it's just, you just got to keep flexing that muscle right keep practicing yeah I, the first time i said no um the, the response was okay and i'm like huh, what the fuck what you're not gonna make a big deal out of it in my head i've played this over and over again it always ends in a big deal why is it not a big deal and i i ended up just like completely stunned and in doing so, I was the one making a big deal out of it. And uh, that's why I realized it really isn't, you know, anything to be ashamed of when you say, no, I don't want to do that. No, thanks. Um, but yeah, it's it's so it's such a weird, like, surreal feeling. Yeah. And you feel so brave, don't you? Doing something <laughs> that a lot of people just take completely for granted. And afterwards, you're like, oh, I'm a superhero. I've killed it today. <laughs> and my, my wife will say, oh, you know, what, what are you in such a good mood for? And I'll say, oh, you know, I don't know. The person bringing the um, the bill over, like, took their time. And I went and asked for it again. And they brought it over quicker, you know, like, rather than, like, sitting there for 20 minutes going, oh, I'm sure they're busy. I'm sure they'll bring it over in a minute. You know, Absolutely. like, it's a, you feel really tough, don't you, when you do it. But yeah. it's just small things in it. And it doesn't, yeah. doesn't matter. And I think the things that other people would often take for granted, um, but a win's a win, you know, if it makes you feel good and you 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 feel like, you know, in that moment, I've achieved something, then great, hold on to it. Um, and I think being trans, there are lots of little things that people take for granted but that we we really hold on to, like being able to choose a name for ourselves. That's something that most people will never have to do. You're born with a name and it's whether you like it or not, majority of people just stick with it. But it's like, it's, you know, what 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 name would I give to myself? You know, how do I go about it? It's it's a privilege and it's also one of those things we really should embrace because that's the first step towards really acknowledging who we are and giving ourselves that chance. Um, but also understanding who we are and what, what sort of person we are, because, you know, even though it's just a name, people attach certain 
I guess certain feelings and thoughts to, to, to a name, you know, people who are called this name are generally X, Y, and Z. Um, and that's the first time we really, you know, we hold on to things that are dear to us and that, that we want to remain part of us. Um, even things like going through a second puberty when for those who choose to medically transition, you, you think about how, how shitty the first time puberty was, you know, you go through it in, when you're in school, and you you understand how bad it was, but looking back, you think, oh, if only I'd I'd been able to appreciate this moment or I'd done a, a bit more. Well, we can, and you know, it's taking that time out to really appreciate this journey and this second chance that we we've been allowed. Yeah, sure. I suppose, like when it comes to those sorts of things, particularly with names and stuff, is it kind of a case of? Um, I always think of like coming out. Is it is you have to do it loads of little times, right? Mm. So first you've got to come out to yourself and then you've got to come out to, you know, your inner circle in your case, your wife and things like that. And it, it, I suppose having the think of a name and, and it sets that foundation for then to build on to all those little comings out and all those little things that you then have to to start because it's not, it's not just a case of coming out and then well, everything's sorted, right? Like it's just, it's the, that's yeah. If only, you know, if that's the, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you mentioned coming out to your wife before how, how in the build up to that, what was that like for you thinking about having to do that? I was, I was so shit scared. Like, honestly, I'd, I'd only read bad things on the internet and this is why you should not always just immediately go to Google. Um, you know, it was always people, stories, people, breaking up the relationship coming to an end because of one person um and I got it into my head that you know what it's probably for the best that she did leave me because otherwise I'd be dragging her through this journey that she never signed up for you know she's got ambitions and she's got plans of, of how she sees us as a, as a, a relationship as a couple and now I'm, I'm about to ruin all this for her and not just that I'm going to be subjecting her to a lot of hate, a lot of comments, people mocking. Um, could I really do that to her? And as much as I really, you know, didn't want to lose her, I did have to kind of be realistic and, and, and say, well, I'm I can be prepared for this, but she may not be. But ultimately, the decision was hers, and I just knew I needed to to say something to her. So I'd already come out to my best friend, and she's been an amazing like support. She still is. She's the sister from another mister you know um and i remember saying to my wife when we were going to work that morning um is it all right if we have a bit of a chat tonight which on hindsight is probably not the best thing to say to her because all day she's like you know like when you're at school and the teacher says see me after class and you sit through class thinking fuck what what have i done what i'm gonna be in so much trouble because i did that to her and i'm so sorry um and then when we got home, I wasn't quite ready. Um, she had some more work to do. So she was upstairs in the study and I was downstairs in the music room, sat behind my drum kit thinking, I'll just waste some time. I'll get out some of my frustration and worries. And I just couldn't play. And I thought, okay, well, she, I've said I need to have a chat with her now. There's no going back. Um, so I had a shot of vodka. <laughs> and I, thinking back, it was probably not the best idea. Had a shot of vodka, thinking bit of bit of courage. Then I'm going to go upstairs, talk to her. That didn't happen. I thought, okay, maybe another shot of vodka. That's going to be the one. Um, it wasn't. And I, th I think there's about four shots of vodka I'd had then. And by which point I thought it's getting late now. 
I've got to say something. She's going to be upstairs worried sick. Um, so I ended up stumbling upstairs. And the first thing I said was, look, I think there's something wrong with me. Um, and then I told her that I was trans. And her first reaction was just pretty much guessed. And I suppose it went back to like that. It's like that no situation where you're like, what? <laughs> what the fuck's just happened? What? Um, I'd even written an open letter to her on my blog in case things went south and I wasn't able to say what I needed to say. If she kicked me out there and then, at least I could have been able to say, look, this is what I wanted to tell you. Um, but yeah, I, I was prepared for the worst. And I was so surprised by, you know, by her reaction. And she's been so supportive ever since. Um, and, you know, she's she's been an integral part of me finding who I am by giving me the space, by by giving me advice, by by just offering love and support and being ready for when I have, you know, gender dysphoria related meltdowns. Um, yeah, she, she's been she's been she's been absolutely amazing. Um, and I think, it, I, I, you know, no, I don't think it's made our relationship stronger. I, I think if if we. If I hadn't have come out then, it probably would have been really bad because I was in such a dark place. I was having meltdowns constantly. Um, I got to the point where I was abusing like opioid painkillers uh, and alcohol to try and just zone out, disassociate from what's going on around me. Um, and I was in, well and truly in self-destruct mode. So if I hadn't have come out, I wouldn't be here today. So it really did save us and it made us a lot stronger because... I'm now in a marriage where I where I can offer a hundred percent of myself, whereas before, I got married thinking I really hope that part of myself remains buried, um, and I really hope I don't have to address those feelings ever again. Um, but now it's it's me. I'm giving her the full me, um, and yeah, I'm 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 amazing. I'm amazed that she's she really has stuck by me and she's been such a support. Yeah, that's so beautiful. You know, that's so beautiful to hear. I love that idea of yeah giving being able to give all of yourself to the relationship and you you know you were saying there about uh you know like you didn't want to be that burden you didn't want to put her in that place and that was exactly the same when I when my mental health was just in the gutter and I and I just, I kept thinking to myself about my wife you didn't sign up for this you know mm. we were when we were really young Kim was 18 when we met and I was like she didn't sign up for this I was fun when we met you know I wasn't trying to kill myself when we met you know so it's um and we kind of we almost sort of assume and speak for people and then yeah. it, it it it's but in being that in being able to sort of yeah admit for me it was share shared the darkness you know for you it's to share your authentic self and that's um that is it does do it does wonders for a marriage right it's not easy it's not easy it, it's not easy at all but it does it gives you another depth of closeness that you yeah. you don't don't always see coming you always think it's going to be the bad thing but it can be the real good thing too kind of yeah i think absolutely you know sharing your darkness your your deepest fears and secrets being able to verbalize that to your partner is is such an amazing thing because you you see you see each other in a different well not in a different way in a better way because you know when you when you get married and you, and you exchange vows you make commitments to each other and by doing this you are honoring those vows 
and you know you are taking it to another level where you 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 are stepping up and and committing to them so yeah it's it's so strengthening and i know yeah it's difficult for for, for a marriage you still have other things it doesn't make everything rosy all of a sudden but it, it it identifies a strength within the marriage between the two people between you and your partner or your wife husband whoever it you may be with it it will shine a light on that bond and that strength the reason you got together in the first place and it just shows that if you can get through this you can get through absolutely anything mm, yeah it's a real like yeah real foundation yeah yeah mm. no it's a really um oh it's a really beautiful thing a eh? really beautiful thing and something uh, specific that i wanted to ask you about and it's, I've, I've, i'm asking for me it's very specific to me it's something i've seen in your instagram it's in one of your highlights you call it the mate debate and um <laughs> i i use the word mate everyone is mate to me right and um but and it i'll have said it during this conversation already I also want to be respectful in the words that I use around people. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, you know, we can adjust in the moment to, you know, for everyone to kind of like be happier and feel safer and stuff like that. So for people who are listening, going, what the hell is he running on about now? What What is the mate debate, Ava? Let's talk about that. So this started um, because uh, someone told me about a situation that happened where someone referred to someone as mate um, and they were very offended by that. And it came down to, well, it's calling a trans person, a trans woman, mate. Is it misgendering? Is it offensive? Or is it just, you know, local dialects? Or is it just, you know, an, an informal kind of way of referring to somebody? Um, and I posted it on my Instagram. And, yeah, it really split people because there were, especially trans women who were, who are basically saying, no, I do not call me mates. That's disgusting. I'm, I'm a woman. But then there were people who were like, well, you know, it wouldn't bother me because I know that it's not coming from a place of ill intent. You know, they don't set out to. And it's not like phrases like dude, for example, which, you know, dude, dudette, you know, they, they are typically gendered. But mate is such, such an interesting term because it's not really, it's not gendered. It's only gendered because we've made it that way. Um, or, you know, we, we've attached this, this almost like masculine identity to, to the word mate. Um, but watch a David Attenborough documentary. And when he refers to two frogs, you know, that's, that's, that's his mate. You know, you, you don't, there's no uproar there, you know, so, so for me, it was this exploration of language and how language can be used as such an integral part of how we define ourselves and how others define us. Um, I mean, I'm originally from, from Cheshire, uh, bordering Manchester. So mate is a word that everyone throws around. Um, I didn't have a problem with it. And I noticed when I posted that, some people stopped calling me mate or referring to me as mate in a, in a very kind of informal way. And it was so interesting. And, and it, it came down to, let's look at the situation. If, you know, if, if you're talking to someone who you've never spoken to before, you've only just met, but you are aware that you use the word mate to refer to people, then maybe just say, oh, I'm, you know, the first time it happens, I'm so sorry. You know, I, ju I, I just call everyone mate. Um, I don't, I don't, it's not a gendered thing for me. Is that okay? You know, 
ask, talk to people, have that conversation as and when it arises. Um, but then I, I appreciate that some people use the term and they don't even realize it because it's such an ingrained thing. Um, but I guess that comes down to people being aware of, of the words that they use and the impacts that they can have on others. And as I've mentioned right at the start, that you know, people will have opinions and I ask them to think about their own dark times when they throw out these so-called opinions at, at, at people who are just trying to exist. So yeah, think about the weight of your words and in doing so, you'll see what an ally you are, what a really active ally you are because you are stopping yourself in that moment and actively thinking, hang on a minute, I'm, is, is my language going to affect or hurt someone? If so, I'll just nip it in the bud. We'll talk about it. We'll move on. It's no big deal. Um, so yeah, it's just like this little four-letter word has has really opened up this this debate, and so many people became engaged with it. Um, and it's yeah, it's fascinating to watch it unfold. Yeah, I found it really interesting as someone who uses that word a lot. Um, I use it for I I think I've always called everybody mate, and for me with an anxious mind mm. something that my anxiety really latches onto is names so in my head i know your name's ava but then i'm like what if what if she logs on and i say ava but you don't pronounce it ava and i get the pronunciation pronunciation wrong and it's a little bit embarrassing or what if i go to say ava and i trip over my words and i say something weird what if that weird thing sounds like a transphobic slur and that's how i start the whole interview and i just start it's just like catastrophizing everything so yeah. i just call everyone mate <laughs> but, but I do I do think with words, it's not a big deal to use a word or not use one. Most people swear. Most people don't swear in front of their nan. Right. And we <laughs> flick that. We flick that switch yeah. pretty easily. And, you know, it's only it's only it's only words. It's pretty easy to do that. If that's going to make a very, very small difference to me, it might make a big difference to someone else. And I think that's like a really, really important thing. Mm. Yeah. And one more thing I wanted to ask you about, and I, I, there's no way I can segue this in and make it sound. So I'm just going to ask it outright. And it's probably the most important thing that I've learned from following you on social media. How did you discover about buttering bread with a spoon? Because it's, um, a, it's a, I saw that TikTok you did and it's a game changer. Yeah. Um, I was really bad at, I've always been really shit at buttering bread. And <laughs> like I remember once I like, a group of us we all went out and the friends our friends stayed over and next morning I was making toast for them and she was stood there watching me and I'm thinking what I'm just making toast and she she just asked what the hell are you doing to that bread and that's the first time I realized I can't butter bread at all um but I, I was then thinking okay well what else can I use a spoon the back of a spoon it's got curve it's great if there's too much butter you can just scoop it back up with a spoon um it's just so versatile and it really is a game changer um you can get a nice finish on on it you don't have to worry about shredding the bread or anything like that yeah I, I, anyone listening to this try it yeah try it and you, you'll you'll see just how efficient the spoon really really is changed my life you know if people are listening don't roll your eyes don't knock it till you tried it Absolutely. Get, it's get more common than you actually, is it you really? actually yeah. realize. Yeah. I've never, never seen it before. It really is. I mean, um, my wife hates it, but I but I, I even use it to cut the bread after I've made a sandwich. I'll then just get a spoon. You know, it's not 
yeah, okay, I admit it's not as effective as a knife, but you get a nice scalloped edge anyway. So it makes your sandwich look that a little bit more pretty. So it's it's a win, but it's great for sauces. You know, if, you, if you're making a sandwich, you've buttered it, you can then use the spoon as a spoon to scoop out, you know, your pickle or, or your, your whatever. Go for it, try it. Every second counts, right? In this busy exactly. modern world. Yeah, that's it. Ava, um, I've enjoyed that immensely it was lovely to meet you and thank you so much for your time today it was a real pleasure no worries thanks for having me big up to the proper mental podcast a proper mental podcast <laughs>